You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. We're going? Whoo! Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Father Knows Something. I don't know everything. I don't claim I'm correct about anything, but I apparently, I know something. So uh, to all you guys out there, uh, we'll start the show by first saying we have Justin. Yes. We have our other co-host, Holly. And uh, we haven't talked about my socks lately, but uh, the lady that I see is very excited about her art in her home that she's got this guy called Shag. And we went to Palm Desert and we went to the Shag store. And I always say, I always like when we have a story on the socks. So yeah. this is Shag, a very unique artist who's into, uh, into um, mid-century art. Very good. So anyways, let's, uh, we got any feedback from uh, other shows or should we wait and do that at the end and just dive right on in? We're going to go in, have a nice relaxing for us. Sunday evening. Okay, well, I'm going to grab my tea and uh, our hero, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> okay. Mickey Mouse. Very good socks. <laughs> you, snuck, you snuck those suckers in. That's right. Uh, here we go. First story is uh, from someone on our Patreon uh, channel. Okay, so this is a new write-in, write or is this an update? Write-in. Write-in, okay. My father is the reason I got addicted to drugs at 13, and it's hard to have this relationship flourish. My mother is very toxic, and my brother and I aren't very close. When I was young, I suffered from horrible panic attacks, and at 13... My father, a neurologist, decided to prescribe me Xanax. I got severely addicted to them, and while I was depressed and suicidal before this, it worsened everything. I was struggling with this addiction for a year, being hospitalized twice after suicide attempts. After the second hospitalization, I kicked the addiction and have been Xanax-free for five years. But everything still haunts me. All of the horrible destructive behavior towards myself and my loved ones all the stealing and lying to get money, everything. After the second hospitalization, I never touched drugs again other than a lot of weed and occasional drinking. I have now been weed-free for almost a year and a half, and it has made me think about my life and decisions I've made. I absolutely love my father now, and we have an amazing time every time we hang out and spend a good amount of time together, but not so much anymore after going away to college. I just want to be able to live with the things we both have done and have it grow our relationship more. Well, I think that having the conversation, building, building, since she's now getting trust in her father, they have to just 
help each other you know, psychologically with this, unless she wants to go to an outside uh, source to get some other professional help, which there's nothing wrong with that. We are very much advocates of people that feel they want to get you know someone to help them with some of the way they process information to, to give that little extra hand. Aside from professional help, which I think could be very advantageous in this case, what other strategies have you employed just in like day-to-day life to to kind of move through some things that may still come into your mind from the past? Well, I never had that. Well, I can't say I didn't. I wasn't haunted by addiction. I mean, I certainly had about a three-month, you know, when I was run when I was about 24 with Coke. And I found that it totally... Um, took me over until I had a heart palpitation. And then I realized I, I have to stop cold turkey. And I, and, I, and I stopped cold turkey and just walked away from it. But there are certainly times where people will, you know, bring up the conversation of cocaine or they'll bring up the, um, a movie we might watch where they're showing addiction and things, and I get an uncomfortable uneasiness with it. It certainly is there. And when I hear about the word haunting, that's the only thing that haunts me, uh, that gives me anxiety when when I'm confronted with it. Pretty much anything else in life, I just really, I, I kind of compart, compartmental, compart, compartmentalize, and take them one, you know, let them let them out of the compartment one step at a time as I'm going through my day so I can, you know, deal, especially if I'm being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We do get things that that overwhelm us. But again, if you if you take it, put it behind the door in a in in, a, in compartments where you can open them one at a time and deal with them one at a time. Right. And that allows it to flow down easier than to back up and and over and, and spill over. Yeah. I think when things start to stack on top of each other, it, yeah. it gets to a very... And far as the relationship you now have with your dad, I think it's great. And I think if you have a conversation, and don't use blame, um, because when you blame somebody, it puts them on the defensive. It doesn't make them where they can accept and go along with it. But you can certainly say how things affected you in your life and how you've, you know, that you're working to come through all this and that you enjoy building your relationship and, you know, this is what's going on in my head. The more you're open with your dad, he, hopefully he will surprise you and be able to uh, grow with it. Because like I said, you know, Morgan and I, or Taylor and I, or my, my other son and I, we don't all get along, but when we certainly have conversations, we do grow from them on mm-hmm. both sides. I grow as well. And this doesn't mean that your dad doesn't have you know, room to grow. I'm sure he does. Yeah. And we find out the older we get, we find out how much more we have to go. Yeah. Well, I think just simply being at college and not having as much time together does not hinder that. I think you can still find ways to mm-hmm. continue a strong relationship and keep building. I have to tell you, it, 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 you'd be very surprised how a phone call to your dad and say, dad, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And I love you. And you say, I was thinking about this. You know, something, you know, 
struck me and I thought about you and I just, it made me smile and I wanted to share that with you. Let me tell you what that does to that guy's heart. It, mm-hmm. At least with this guy, it, it blows me away. My Taylor has a way of really calling me out of a blue and, you know, delivering some sweet messages. Yeah, that's good. You know, he's got that ability. So I know that if you're, if you do that with your dad, it's going to reach home. Yeah. So it was, and I think we, I, we recollect that she was also talking about that she had, you know, had some misbehaviors where she may have even stole stuff from family to go, you know, f- she was thieving. Mm-hmm. And look, you've, you've certainly turned your life around and you've come clean and I'm sure you've come clean with them. And if you haven't, maybe you, sh- you know, that will help you release any of that guilt and go forward because, you know, as a young adults, you know, People aren't surprised by some of the moronic things that our kids do, but we are the first to forgive everybody and go forward because we know that by the time we're in our thirties and forties, we look back and go, Oh God, remember when I did that, you know, but you're able to, to that point, make a little more humor about it to try to soften the edge of it. Yeah. So, you know, you've done a wonderful job and I'm really glad the most impressive thing that I saw is how you, got away from the Xanax and you certainly got away from pot because most people don't get away from pot. They, that's just a part of their life for, from, from this day forward. Yeah. And it's nice to see that you cleaned up your act and that you find yourself functioning sober is, is really a, a far better way to go through life. For and sure. You certainly will, you know, will feel and experience more while you're, while you're sober than if you, if you were anesthetized. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to you. My, my, yeah. Hands off to you. Perfect. And also, thank you for being part of our Patreon club. Oh, yes. And uh, and not only that, I want to thank everyone for watching the show. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It turns out we have, I think, 42% subscribers and about 58% people who view us consistently haven't pressed the button. So no big deal. Press the button. It certainly gives us... <laughs> Uh, a little bit better uh, response as far as our 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 um, media companies and advertisers, and it helps us. So we're glad to be here and, and help you. And it's like Sam, I, I hope that you appreciate us enough that we can have you hit that button. All right, we're moving on. Okay. <laughs> Number two, this one I like because it's from the perspective of a mom. I love mom. It's a little different flavor on this one here. Okay. My husband and our 11-year-old daughter have almost a transactional relationship. When she was a toddler and younger child, they were inseparable. Best friends, always playing and scheming. Now that she's older and has her own interests, fashion, friends, dance, he claims they have nothing in common and he just doesn't know how to connect anymore. He's still her father, performs fatherly duties, and loves her but they don't really ever have quality interactions. I realize there may be some of this as she ages naturally, but it breaks my heart. I miss the relationship they used to have. And as someone who never had a great relationship with my own father, I desperately want them to be close. Any advice on how I can influence their relationship? Morgan doesn't sit on my shoulder anymore and play, uh, where's the baby? (laughs) Oh, did I also mention she doesn't call me daddy anymore? (laughs) Oh, we got that. <laughs> Life moves on and changes. That doesn't mean the relationship changes. Sometimes kids uh, 
girls with their mother, girls with their fathers, boys, same thing. Mm-hmm. They have to go separate. And how old is the is is the daughter? Did, Eleven. Oh my! It's right in that that right in that age. Yeah, it is. You know, she's preteen. She's typically it's still good here, but I would certainly suggest that uh, he take her and go on a ski trip. I mean, I used to take Morgan skiing every night, and we did that. And then she ran into her girlfriends, and that was the end of me. I mean, I was discarded like you know, not much different. Yeah, you know, it's their relate their their love for their dad. I think is always there. The way that they interact with their dads, it just depends on their mood in that day. And I think that he's just got to realize that, you know, she loves him, he loves her, and he can be certainly more creative to spend time together more than she's going to be creative to do that. Sure. Remember, he's the parent. Right. And they're not losing their love. It's just... You know, it goes down a certain, you know, wave motions. Yeah. And she's into her friends right now and she's in it, but, but she's now going to be going into Mean Girl and he's got to be there. And so do you during Mean Girl. You know, Mean Girls is a thing that goes on with these kids when they start in, I think at the, right around eighth grade and junior high school, might be seventh grade. And it goes on probably through ninth, 10th, you know, sometimes even 11th grade where they get very clicky and they have to show one girl that we can abuse her and bully her. And they flip kind of all over the place to see who's, you know, who's my favorite, you know, in, in, in the girls and in, in our, in, in our group. And we have to, of course, demoralize somebody else to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Yeah. Now, this is not something that I really experienced with, in guy world, but I certainly experienced in girl world with Morgan as she was coming through that age and dad has got to be there and recognize and even prepare her for some of this because a lot of kids become suicidal during this period. Mm -hmm. And it's not uncommon for girls to, to really take it hard. So long as you now see this, you know, mom, especially at this point, recognize it, have some conversations and maybe even, um, I don't know, Morgan, we didn't, you know, do any, you know, go to a a psychologist or a psychiatrist with any of this before it happened. Because as a dad, I I was totally clueless to this, but I I did remember that you, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a kid who loved to go to school, all of a sudden she didn't want to go to school. Right. And it had a, a, a drastic effect on her. So um, well, I've seen it a lot too. I mean, I remember girls in high school that I knew that would go through it. My cousin experienced it. My stepsister is definitely in the heat of it. And it's just like one of those things. And I think it on no matter who it is, I think the relationship with with your parents is, it's interesting how it evolves, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're so close as a kid mm-hmm. and it's like your parents are your world. And then you start to kind of find your own lane and yes, you get your friends and you find your hobbies and you really, you're you're leaving the nest. Right. And And I think also that their changes in their body have a lot to do with this and their hormones and, you know, boys and becoming a woman and all the stuff and the freakiness, what goes on with their, you know, their bodies are awkward at this time and their facial features are awkward at this time. Teeth are awkward at this time. Everything's awkward. And, 
it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Well, and then I think it's interesting too, how then later, almost maybe in college or post-college, you kind of have this, this rekindling where it's, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's like cool to have a relationship with your parents again. Mm-hmm. Whereas in high school, you're like embarrassed. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's just funny how it evolves, especially being on the other side of it now. Um, but just some more info for you. The ideal outcome is that my husband would feel more of an emotional connection with all three of our kids, displaying a loving relationship more than just a transactional feeling parenting. He is a good person and I know he loves us. I just wish he was capable slash willing to form close connections to our kids. I don't know what kind of, I don't know how 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 the husband and wife's relationship and communication are. This is an interesting thing. How how well are you able to communicate with your husband to say, honey, I see this and, you know, let's try to do some things that are going to be more family oriented. I mean, there are so many things about families traveling together and, you know, not separating each other and not dividing each other, but really start taking family projects. And as much as the kids may kick and moan to go do this, once they get there, they find their groove to help each other and become that family unit again. It, you guys are parents. You're going to have to you know, do some work to figure out how to involve your kids in your lives, not to, not to disconnect them, but to reconnect them and do these projects together. Right. And I think that's uh, an idea. That's what I would do. Yeah. And no, it's just like, I think there's an, as a parent, there's this fine line of, of being, of being there for your kids, being very involved, but also not being too involved, mm-hmm. right? Because that that leads down a whole separate path. So it does. It's, it's just finding the sweet spot. And I mean, obviously I haven't been a parent, so I I haven't been through that. No, but, but you're my competition. She long as you're around, she pays no attention to me. <laughs> All of a sudden you're gone. You're gone for a few days and she says, Oh dad, let's go do this together. I know I play second fiddle, but it's uh it's okay. I mean, dads, you know, and moms realize this stuff. And we know we know the foundation we gave our kids uh, through those in, um, immediate years and um, introductory years. And if we did our work and we, we built those foundations, we're okay. They, they, they stand by. Look, parenting is done so many different ways by so many different parents. So how about this? Some additional info. I know my husband wasn't raised with much affection or any real quality relationship with his parents, but he and his dad are very close now. And then going back up, the dad is claiming that he just doesn't know how to connect anymore. So what if we are looking at a lack of effort on the dad's part? What would you suggest to the mom? To encourage him to go, he's going to have to set his priorities on weekends that, you know, one night a weekend that or two or weekends that they're going to either go on camping trips, they're going to go mm-hmm. do projects together, they're going to find things to interact, to have experiences. So as this kid gets older, she's going to reflect or or he, whoever the kids are, son or daughter, son or daughter, to reflect on the moments they had doing that project with their dad right. and that relationship. If you, if you deny them the relationship and the experience because you don't know how, it's your kid. It's part of you. Go figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care if you guys go get two shovels and go to, and go to the beach, and go you know make sandcastles. Yeah, 
do something. Right. Or find a hobby to go do together and go do it. I know that Morgan loved horses. So I, you know, I made horses a part of my Sundays. We would, you know, pack the horse up when she'd go barrel riding. Yeah. You have to involve yourself. That's part of what it is to go grow these relationships with your kids and, and show them that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I like the start of this one. Okay. Hello, Jerry and company. I love it. I love your podcast and look forward to each new episode. I'm writing in because I'm having some trouble with my mom and was hoping you could help me. I, 26 female, live about 30 minutes away from my parents. I don't get to see my parents that often right now, especially because of my busy schedule and the rising gas prices. I'm trying to save on gas as much as I can. My mom and I have never been extremely close, but we have gotten closer as I've gotten older. When I go to visit her, she is constantly on her phone. It's gotten to the point now where it's starting to hurt my parents' marriage because she just constantly is on her phone. My dad is extremely patient and gentle, and it takes a lot for him to be bothered, but I can tell this is hurting their marriage. It's also affecting my relationship with my mom. I feel like I don't even have a mom sometimes because she doesn't even really talk to me when I'm with her. She just looks at her phone the whole time. I've tried distracting her by asking her to go places with me or watch a movie, but even if we do that, she's on her phone. Is there any advice you can give me about talking to my mom about this in a way that will get through to her, but also not make her too upset? Every time we bring it up, she gets defensive, and I'm kind of at a loss of what to do. Thank you so much. You know, there are times where your mom, if it is work, can say, you know something, I am going to make an announcement on my phone. During this time and this time, I am out of the office. Please leave your message, and I will return the call as I return my, you know, I'll return back to my office or start returning calls at seven o'clock this evening. I mean, there's ways you can define all this stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to imagine it's simply telephone abuse. Now, when your mom and dad were dating, she's 27 years old now? 26. 26. Well, when your mom and dad started dating, really cell phones were in their infancy and not everyone in the world was on their phone consistently. And I'm sure your dad really didn't, uh, you know, by the package of your mom that she would be on the phone 365 and not be able to pay attention. Right. She's obviously has found that she can connect easier with her friends and connect with her own husband right now. And she's passing that message on. So she needs to be made aware of it and say, you know, mom, I'm not going to tell you how to have a, have your life with dad, but I'm letting you know that it, standing on the outside and looking in, it ain't looking good. And if, and if it's because you feel that you're disconnected from dad, maybe you should, guys should work on trying to reconnect and that you don't have to do this. And far as that telephone goes, I feel it too. And it would be nice that when I'm going to come out and see you on Tuesday night from, we'll say four o'clock till eight o'clock, I would really appreciate it that we can have our time together 
and just put the phone on voicemail. Turn it off. Put it in airplane mode. Pretend mm-hmm. you're flying. We're flying to the moon and back for that moment that we're going to have our time. Right. Because this is what's happening with this. And I hope that you'll understand it and just try it. I'm not going to ask a lot of you. And I think that that, that is a positive way to try to bring that message. The only other way I know how to do is shut the fucking thing down. (laughs) Go online and find a way to unplug it. Sure. But I think, so I think that, yes, that's a great first step. The toughest part about this question then is when you're met with the defensive and it's, it flipped on you or you're just met with a wall of defense. Mm Mm-hmm. What's step number two? She's got every wor- every reason in the world why she can't turn it off and don't be so don't take it so personal and yeah. don't do this and don't do that and uh, you know, the answer is mom I do. It's simple. I'm not going to argue about this. Mm-hmm. You know we're not going to debate it. I'm letting you know this is what's happening, and you know you pick the day that I can come and have quality time with you and I'll see if it works out in my schedule that I can do it that day. But I, I can't keep coming here to go watch you talk on the phone. Right. And that's what's happening. And, then, and, and, and the fact that you're defensive is that you're trying to defend the reality of it rather than just accept that this is the reality and we have to deal with it. It's just not working for me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've had, I feel like I've known people that tend to not be able to get off their phone. Mm-hmm. It was very prominent back when phones were newer you know back in the high school days and everything yeah it's interesting i it's almost like you need a like a uh intervention well another thing that you do is when you're trying to get rid of one bad habit you try to replace it with something that's going to keep their mind active you and i and morgan have come with a wonderful thing that we love to do we love to break out the Catan board true and trust me when we're playing Catan. there's no room for anything else going on in the world yeah, the world could have, the world could have a nuclear blast, and after it's gone off, we might decide to put the game away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're into it, and right. we we have a and it's a wonderful way that we interact. So you know, there are different things that families can do together to interact. Some of these games are great ways to 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 bring people into a different mindset, exercise their mind. Yeah, and you're off the phone, and you're doing stuff together. Scrabble. I know I love something it. as simple as a little board game. It is. So these are things, these are just great tools that are out there that are very constructive. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. And you and you and your brain actually gets exercised by doing them. Yeah, because our ideal outcome, I just want her to get off of her phone and live her life. I want my mom back. And I, I, I do know they sell, you know, nylon rope and tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I'm curious on this one. So I'd, I'd be curious what happens. And Write us back. Let us know. And maybe we can go round two on it. You know, one thing that I love to do sometimes in the evening late is I go back to our YouTube comments and I read them. And I see that a lot of other people chime in with great ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, I only know something. I don't know everything. And so... I get a lot of, we get a lot of comments where people have brilliant ideas. Yeah. And so I, I strongly recommend 
for everyone to listen to it. If you have an idea that, that works, write it in. Don't, don't take it for granted. And certainly the people that are, are, are writing in, go look. Yeah, for sure. Because you'll see some brilliant stuff in there. Yeah, because people have been through similar things. Yes. Okay, next one. Number four. Okay. Big number four. Quattro. Four is actually my favorite number. Or 14, or 24, or 44. Why fours? I don't know. I've always liked four. Okay. Something even about it. Was there something great about your fourth birthday? No. No, but, like special meaning. Just well, here, always, it's an here, eight. I do know one thing. When you hit 64, there's a song. Well, 64 is not one of my favorite numbers. Okay, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this. My mother and father have divorced and are now fighting for financial rights over our family home. My mom wanted to go 50-50 split, so they received equal amounts, but my father had proposed 80-20 his way. I have begged and pleaded with my dad as I believe he is being totally unreasonable and stubborn, but he won't change his mind. I believe he is doing this more to punish my mother than anything. When they decided to split, my mother moved out and my sister and I joined her. My father stayed in the family home for another four years to work on the renovations before selling. He kept messing us around, and as he said they would be done within the first year, it took four because he kept redoing things around the house that he wasn't happy with, but overall they did not need to be redone. Now he is saying he deserves all this money because he put the most into the house, but all he did was drag on unnecessary things. He said in a statement that my mom had no financial contribution towards the marriage, which is very false, and he is also saying that he cannot work full-time anymore because he is injured from all the work he did on the house. But in reality, he lost his job because he refused to get vaccinated. He has lied in his statement over several things, and it's clear he is trying everything to make sure my mother doesn't get any money. I adore my father, but I become so angry with him, I do not know how to continue my loving father-daughter relationship with him as he believes the reason I think mom deserves 50% of the funds is because she has brainwashed me. Mm. It hurts me that he believes I am so easily manipulated when in reality, I've watched what both my parents have contributed into our lives and their marriage. And my opinion on the matter still stands that they deserve equal amounts in the settlement. I don't know how to go about this. Whenever I tell him how I feel, it goes in one ear and out the other. It seems like he doesn't even realize how much he's hurting us. And overall, if my mom ends up with nothing, we will basically be homeless as mom won't be able to buy a house in our city. Cost of living here is high. I know he wants my sister and I to go live with him, and I believe he's trying to punish us all for going with our mom four years ago. He recently told me that he wants to have another child so he can have them around all the time, as my sister and I are now not and as he lives about an hour away with his mom. I try to see him at least once a week, but my sister has resented him ever since the settlement had started and hasn't spoken, seen, or spoken to him much at all. My mom and sister both don't want me to speak to him, and I don't know what to do. I love my dad, but I've never been this angry at him. I cannot believe he would do this to the mother of his children. I never realized he was this type of person, and I'm quite hurt and don't know how to continue seeing him the way I used to. What should I do? I can't talk to him about this as he's so stubborn and genuinely will never see my point. I approached him the other day and told him I was sad to hear that's all he was willing to give my mother 
and he had the audacity to ask me why I was upset with him. Well, the there's a couple different you know facts of life here. Fact one, this is between your mom and your dad in the court system. And the court system is way too bright to basically enable some of this abuse. For sure. It is true you need to have good counsel on both sides. And I'm sure your mother has counsel and I'm sure your dad has counsel. I also am going to recognize that the fact that your dad took four years to go redo this house, you know, was he living in that house during that four years? Was he living in a trailer for those four years? Uh, certainly you guys had to go find housing for that four years and pay for it and keep that, keep that nut going. And if your dad was living in the house, he owes your mom some money for, for being in the house for taking so long. You know, let, let's, let's just say he, he, he added a hundred thousand dollars in value to a house by working on it. We don't know if it's a hundred. We don't know if it's a million. We don't know if he put $10,000 in the house and new stuff yeah. or if he put, but things really work that it's 50, 50. Yeah. It's the way it is. And he's, I can guarantee you, he wasn't paying your mom for rent rental on the house at a, at a, at a rate that is worth compensating. The house goes on the market divorced. Mm -hmm. It's sold. It's clean. It's done. It's 50, 50. And that's the way it goes with community property. Mm-hmm. If I was her, I would certainly stay out of the, the business side of mom and dad. Um, you having issues with dad with just his behavior. That's something you can certainly talk about and say, you know, I'm just not digging this. Yeah. And the fact that he wants to have another child, they'll be around. I don't know if he's doing this with a, with, with, you know, with a surrogate, he's doing it by himself like a snail. <laughs> I don't know how he, how he plans on doing this. I can guarantee your mom's not going to be an active participant yes. since he's so good, since he's been so wonderful with, with what's going on now in, in, in their life. Right. So I take it that there's someone else in his life that he's thinking down this path. And his, 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 his only uh, concern is his life and doing what he wants to do in his own way. So... Yeah, you know, lucky him. I just do believe that uh, the court system itself will stop this shit. And uh, it just depends on what your mom wants to do with a lawyer and, and, right, and right. how good that lawyer really is. Yep. And your father should really not be talking with your mom. Your, the, your dad's lawyer or your dad should be talking to your mom's lawyer. True. She should be out of, the, out of it. Totally. Yeah. To the courts. To the courts. I hope that helps. I think it does. I think when you get in these situations, especially when you're a child and in between two parents, it can be, you can almost start to think that a lot more of it is your burden than mm -hmm. it, than actually is. She said, how old is she? The quick, the quick and easy answer is, and I still believe this fully is, keep your relationship with your dad, identified to your relationship with your dad. And if he is going to be a piece of shit, then you can say, you know, dad, I'm just not digging you right now. Yeah. And I just don't want to be around you. Yeah. And if you, if you can't understand why, why don't you go reflect on it and right. then let me know how you do. We'll see if you come up with the answer. Otherwise it's okay. I miss you, but I miss the guy that used to be caring for everybody. And I miss the guy that was sweet. I don't miss this guy who's doing this stuff. I don't right. know who this guy is. Yeah. And I think that would be the answer that I might even deliver. For sure. Okay. Let's rock and roll.
we're currently recording a Father Knows episode, and I wrote in my notes for this story that we could potentially call you while we read it and get you to have the first take. Right now? So I can introduce him, right? Yeah. Is this <laughs> is it a bad time? No. Let's, let's do it. We can do it. It's okay. not it's not super long. So we'll just we'll read it and then we'll get your your vibe and then you're good to go. I guess Justin has got a fun little uh uh, another sh- uh, another story to come up, and to add a little twist to me, he is bringing my eldest son Matthew, who none of you have got to uh, talk to yet. True. So we're going to introduce Matthew into Father Knows Something, and it's going to be great to have him on the uh, on the show. So uh, Matthew, I want to introduce you to the viewership of Father Knows Something, and this is Matthew. Say hi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Matt. We need to get you on a full fledged episode. I'm ready. Bring me out. Let's go. All right, here we go. Jumping right in. Okay, my issue is something I've been struggling with for a long time now, and more than anything, I just want to know from someone who has been married if it is a normal feeling. I am currently married with two dogs and a cat, no kids. My husband and I have been together nine years, married for almost six. While I love my husband... And he is a wonderful man, I can't help but notice I don't feel any type of romantic love towards him. I know many people say that this is normal per se, but I am having a hard time accepting that and often feel like something is missing. I've been doing a lot of introspection and feel that I am just now coming to terms with the fact that I lost those feelings for him long before we got married. What makes this even harder is how amazing he is to me and how much he does for our family. At the same time, I am worried that I missed out on a chance to explore and learn about myself as we got together when I was 20 and we will be turning 30 soon. I've never lived alone either as I moved from living with my mom to moving in with my husband. I suppose my ideal outcome would be clarity and if these feelings are just something I should accept as they are expected or if it's unfair to stay with my husband since I don't reciprocate the feelings he has towards me. Ouch. That's going to come down to one. How do you want to live your life? Yeah. Like being comfortable is one thing, but if you're sitting there questioning and you are just not happy, figure out how to make it happen or she needs to move on from what it sounds like. I just think that, once you become so comfortable in a relationship and you got to ask yourself, like, what are you living for? What do you, what do you want to get out of the relationship? And if you're not getting what you need out of that relationship, it's time to move on. Right. Because essentially what we're calling you for is basically losing romantic love is not a normal part of a marriage. I don't know if that. Uh, uh, I think. Uh, no, I guess what I'll say to that aspect is that there are ebbs and flows when you're, you know, you want to be romantic or you're not, or you're not getting along, or you're fighting. But at the end of the day, I, I do, I do agree with you in that like you need to have at least some part romantic, yeah. or, you know, be romantic or have that romantic feeling. And look, there's a lot of people that live out there without that, right? And they just get go through it and they go through the motions or they they decided that what they wanted from that relationship isn't romantic. Now, if the other partner 
you know, wants that, then you have to accept that, Hey, I'm going to have to do some romantic things. And if, if both parties, both individuals are comfortable with that, then, you know, then you're being satisfied. But I guess what a horrible way to live. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, I agree. I, it would be interesting to know if there is some, uh, when they first met in their passion they had when they were first uh, together for the first couple of years before it really did go away. Because after you get into a routine or a rut, sometimes it's hard to find that uh, that spark. And I didn't know that if there are some uh, therapists, you know, some couple therapy that give tools that you guys can, you know, that, that this couple can do to go out and, and, you know, explore and investigate outside in the world that would also wake up those, uh, those feelings again, like they were dating once again, you know, when you go through yeah. raising children, trust me, I've done it. I know what it is. You, but, and, and you I, get into, you get in, into different phases. Some people call it the roommate phase. You know, you're busy with kids and you get home like late at night. It's nine, 10 o'clock at night, every night of the week. And you're right. just not going to get there. But yeah, I think that there is something out there. Maybe it's therapy that can, you know, that romantic side back. There's, I mean, I have one more There's piece of tons info. Of stuff out there to try. So I do have one more piece of info. A few years ago, at the beginning of COVID, I did my best to express all of this to my husband, and after we talked, I agreed to th try therapy. We've now been in therapy regularly for two years, and I still can't help but wonder if there is something missing, or if this is really what a safe, secure relationship feels like. On top of that, I have been scarred scared to try to venture out on my own as I am currently self-employed and my husband is a main breadwinner. So supporting myself would be incredibly difficult. That, but that goes, that goes, that goes along with the, the idea that if she wants to be on her own, she's, that's what it is to be on her. She can't be with her husband because it's secure. That's not, that's not fair to him. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting as, as a test to separate for a while and to see how much he really means to her and how much she misses him. And if that shakes it up, if, if nothing else has worked, but there's gotta be some, some movement in this relationship one way or the other way, because she has definitely come to the conclusion. She is sacrificing. She is settling. And she is only staying in that relationship due to comfort because mm -hmm. it's, it's easy. It works. It's hard to break out of that rut. And I would like, does OP ever talk about, and I might have missed it, how old they were when they got together? They got together when they were 20. 20. I just think that, it's my opinion, there's a lot of people out there that make it work, right? Mm -hmm. But in a relationship at such a young age, and you don't go out there and try different things and explore and figure out exactly what you want, there's a lot of growth that happens between 20 and 26 in my opinion yeah and it, it seems like she just missed out and she's she's wondering what she missed out on yeah i've i've experienced that i've i've seen friends experience that where someone gets you start you start to have a lot of what ifs and i've had friends that even say you know i i don't even want to date anyone that's under 25 26 just mm -hmm. because 
you, I think everyone needs to go through that kind of explorative and just that free world phase, you know, where you're just, you're figuring it all out. Otherwise you go forward with all these what ifs and that actually becomes, I think probably the biggest part of this write-in. Yeah. I can say that my wife and I, we got together when we were really young. We did the on again, off again thing for a while. We took our time apart to go and figure out life and solve those what ifs. And ultimately it worked out at the end of the day. We, we got back together and it's been great, but yeah, this, this story is very relatable. Yeah. And I know that with me, I uh, was seeing someone at the age of uh, 19 to 24 and I knew that I was becoming a getting the, getting those what ifs, and I yeah. said I broke up with her. And now, I, I, as you get older and you reflect, and we never got back together, mm-hmm. but I reflect saying, if I didn't break up with her, I would have married her, I would have cheated on her, we probably would have end up getting divorced, and that would have been awful. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't have been bad if we if we made it through it because now that I'm way past that time and as we're still friends and I look and I talk to her, I go, we could have made that relationship work because, you know, yeah, the, of, of whatever that bond was at that time. Now, you know, now it's years later, but it's interesting that I could say, maybe I made that mistake back in that day. Maybe yeah. she was the one that got away. But at the time, there, there was enough. There was nothing. There was no signal that would say she was the one that got away. It was the one that I had to get away from. Yeah, <laughs> timing. It's all timing. It's all timing. Well, yeah. Well, all right, Matt. Thank you for uh, jumping in. I think you highlighted one of the biggest aspects of this one. And uh, guys, awesome guys. And I'm really glad you all got to enjoy uh, Matthew. And we'll get him on. I, I think we're going to have a show in a few weeks back in Minnesota. And hopefully we'll get Matthew uh, on the camera so you can meet my, uh, my, maybe I can get both sons on. That's true. Hey, Matt, you want to yeah. give a quick uh, finding fire plug? Is really interested in entrepreneurship or looking at how to get away from your nine to five. Um, I run a podcast called The Finding Fire. It is available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you find your podcast. Um, As he broke up, I think that he was trying to say the podcast is called Finding Fire. Yeah, and uh, actually, me and Morgan have both been on this show. So if you want some familiar faces in a whole different light, then uh, links and everything will be in the description. So thank you, Matt. It was uh, fun to have you on virtually, and next time we'll have you on in person. Talk to you later, son. That sounds awesome. Have a great night, everyone. Bye. All right. All right. So uh, now that, that does that wrap up our show? So, um, yeah. so, all right. So that's it for show number, uh, 31. And, uh, we got to sneak Matt in, which is another little, you know, character in our cast. And we're going to now do a Patreon. So we're going to say goodnight to you for tonight and we'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe. There you go. Okay. Bye. Bye.